0: be damned if the same politicians
1: who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others. We all lose.
2: A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. <laughs> and correction. Hello, everybody. It's me, Ms. Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says, she's a woman, and for the people who love them. Every week, we talk to incredible women from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today, Caitlin. All right, Caitlin, At time of recording, yesterday, or wait, oh my God, two Two days days ago, yeah, I filmed my very first comedy special, and I can't believe that I talked for an entire hour.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I feel like it sounds like you're losing your voice a little bit.
2: Yeah, because I've been (laughs) screaming at people for the last two days. I did that show on Sunday, and then I did a show last night at Industry, my home bar my birthplace, you know? Well, next to Sweet Bar, of course.
0: Of course. Yeah, so I feel like you've been uh, really talking a lot. And I can hear it in your voice today. Yeah. You know?
2: She's coming apart. <laughs> so I, I love the special. And my favorite part about it was that we just packed the house. We had cracker fans from all over coming to hang out and listen to me yap about my trashy lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just made me feel so good to see so many familiar faces in the audience.
0: It felt very exciting. It felt mer- very major, you know, like watching you on the on the stage and cameras swerving around the room and right. Everyone cl- clap clapping. I almost said clapping. Clapping, <laughs> clapping <laughs> and laughing. <laughs> clapping and laughing very loudly and very into it. And of course, I've heard the the special a million times at this point as you rehearsed right. it to me so yeah it, it felt nice to hear and see other people reacting to it yeah so, you know i was like she deserves that instead of just me you know, <laughs> sitting in a room having heard it 50 plus times you know
2: though you know what <laughs> well first of all the the applause from the audience really helped fuel me because yeah. it's it, it's amazing but you always did a good job of applauding at the key points when we were rehearsing together. I listened. Together.
0: I listened. I was like, oh, she needs a, a fake audience applause here, you mm-hmm. know?
2: <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen with this special.
0: Hopefully one day all of you listeners will be able to stream it somewhere. That's our hope.
2: That's our hope. But until then, I have made this major accomplishment and I got to do this show for an audience and, and have like this life-changing moment. Appear in front of them. So I yeah. am so happy. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. I want to dive right into our serious, groundbreaking interview. And I love our interview for today. We've been wanting to do something like this for a while. Mm-hmm. But first, I have a little treat for you. Every week, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they will bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about being able to give. Okay, this is one of the things that always used to trouble me when I was a young, good Samaritan. When I was young, I always wanted to donate blood. Even though I was afraid of needles, I felt like it was a really important thing to do. But I was discouraged from doing so because I was an MSM a man who has sex with men. You see, before 2006, queer men in the United States were banned from donating blood for life. There was such a powerful stigma against queer men and such strong stereotypes about HIV-AIDS that our blood was looked at as, like, poisonous. And that made a lot of us feel a bit like pariahs. It was very surreal to have that kind of language and those kind of assumptions leveled at you, Things have changed a little bit, but even now there are rules specifically written to deter men who have sex with men from donating in the U.S. But things are different elsewhere. According to iNews, the ban on sexually active gay and bisexual men being allowed to donate blood has been partially lifted in England, Scotland, and Wales. New rules that come into effect from Monday... World Blood Donor Day, do not screen out donors if they are a man who has sex with another man, NHS Blood and Transplant said. Instead, everyone who attends to give blood, regardless of gender, will be asked if they have had sex and, if so, about recent sexual activity. Under the original rules, and stated at the height of the HIV-AIDS crisis, men who have sex with men were banned from donating blood for life. So this means that people will be assessed based on their actual lives and health, not on random assumptions. And I think this is so wonderful. It's definitely something that we should learn from here in the U.S. And I think it's really amazing that we're beginning to put stereotypes aside and talk about each individual person and their health, regardless of gender, because I think it's going to open the door for more people to be able to donate. And getting those donations out there, obviously, is really essential.
0: And it's Pride Month. So, yeah. so it's a like a bit of bright news and in the month that is, is supposed to be all about inclusivity and celebrating who you are. And you know what I mean?
2: Yep. So this is wonderful news. And again, I hope that we learn to change the language around our policies, at least in the US.
0: Just adds to our reasons for loving oh, the a- UK and Scotland and Wales. And yes. you know me and you will find any reason to be like oh this, that's the best place ever you know we'll find any excuse to tell people what a great country you know
2: <laughs> again uh caitlin and i are both unmarried so if you live <laughs> in england scotland or wales if you live in the united kingdom just uh we're gonna be on tour soon we will we are up for some speed dating and uh we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll let you know what happens and <laughs> <laughs> anyway enough about that let's take a break Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. But now let's get into our interview. I'm so excited to do this interview today, not only because we're talking to my close friend, Monir Fatemi, But because we've been wanting to do an episode like this for a long time and we just didn't know how, we know that so many of our listeners are full-time mothers and that they are truly inspirations to the people around them and to the world. So we wanted to represent all of them on the show. And now we have a chance to begin to do that a little bit.
0: Me and you love moms. We love them. I feel like uh, sometimes I relate to mom problems more than I do my peers, which is I'm not a mom, so I don't know why, but I just, we love moms. Yeah, we, we love, love moms.
2: And I think that's because you are like a part-time uh, caretaker to me, <laughs> full-time caretaker to me. It's so. true.
0: It's true. And I used to work with kids, and so maybe I just, maybe it's just in me. Yeah. So you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> so we're going to talk about the life of a full-time mom today today. And I can't wait to dive in. Everybody, our guest today is Monir Fatemi. She is so many things. She's an educator, she's an entrepreneur, and she's been a friend of mine for over 15 years. But above all, she is a full-time mother. Before COVID, Monir was working full-time as a teacher in Washington State. But when COVID turned everything upside down, Along with the arrival of her firstborn child, her daughter Roya, she found herself on a new path, making a world for a child. And so I want to say, Monier, welcome. Where are you? How are you? What are you doing?
1: I am in my driveway, in my car, because, you know, I have to be able to speak loudly <laughs> enough for you to hear me. And as a, a um, As a mom with a kid going to bed right now, that was the best place for me to do that. Did you want me to zoom out a little bit? I'm also in Olympia, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: You're in Olympia, which is our college town. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I went through COVID with you and watched how it changed your life. And I just wanted to know, what was it like being a mother and needing so much support from family and community, but being cut off by COVID.
1: Oh, we're just going to jump right in. Okay. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, um, no, I mean, just yeah, answer in a it. few words or less, you know.
1: Uh, just a couple. Um, it was, it was, well, no, just kidding. You know, I've thought a lot about this, obviously, because we've had a lot of time to think about everything over this last year. And I think especially kind of coming out of Pandemic world. I think that there have been ups and downs, and benefits and disadvantages as far as being a new mom in a pandemic world. And maybe that's me just trying to like find the bright side. But I do think there were some things that I I was protected from as a new mom. So I want to throw that out there too, and not just be like it was so sad and isolating because it was that because motherhood and being a new mom already is really isolating. And emotional and your body is doing insane crazy um, hormonal things that people don't know how or want to talk about on top of just you know just all these new changes and so then you have literal isolation put on top of it that's overwhelming and and can be scary but there were these moments where I was like this is awesome I'm not sitting in a room with all these other moms comparing my kid and wondering if she's hit these goals or, you know, all of the, you know, yes, you have the internet, which was like everybody's best friend and worst enemy through the pandemic. But there were these moments where I felt like I could just be with my kiddo. And she was young enough that she wasn't aware of what was going on. And she didn't have to feel that, that fear. And so when, when the world was scary and I did feel alone and isolated and overwhelmed and unsure. And I think that's what we all got maxed out on completely. we just like, what? is going to happen. We're so unsure. We can't make plans. We don't know anything. Um, I could just zoom in on her and be with her. And that is a gift that I don't know that anyone outside of a pandemic with this little toddler could, could have.
2: I was just wondering, one thing that you mentioned was that, you know, you're going through things in your body that people don't understand when they're not going through the first stages of motherhood. And I was wondering if there was a couple of things that you wish everyone who hadn't been a mother before knew about that experience. Things that you've had to explain so many times about what your body is going through and what your mind is going through that you just wish people understood.
1: I mean, I could try to talk about a couple of those things, but I think that I'm still figuring that out. Like I was talking to a friend a really good friend the other day, and and she talked about like postpartum emotions in a way that all of a sudden I cl- it clicked. One, how did I not know this about someone I I thought I was so that I am so close with, and then two, how did I not realize that like that was some of what was happening in my own body and mind, and in this world where we share everything online and we have you know broken down all these walls around being formal and proper and just like we we can you know we're the feminists and we can talk about our bodies and what's going on you know I went to hippie college I studied feminisms and then and then all of a sudden I I walked into being a mom and there was just all of these new things and scary things and I think that I have no idea why we still don't talk about them. And you know, my best friend in the world, she gave birth five months after me. And I was like, should I tell her? And I had these like moments where I'm like, oh no, there's like even things I'm like super mad that women didn't talk to me about. And then I, and then I couldn't bring myself to talk about. And it's just like, I don't know why. I don't know if it's stigma. I don't know if it's just too emotional. I don't know if it's just that this idea that like, we have to be strong as moms. And if, We show weakness, then it means that a we're either not a good mom or our kid's not safe. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing that people hold back is that. And I would want women to know is that like motherhood is super scary, and like especially like when you have an infant and a new one, because of what your body is also doing. And I think that that fear that if you reach out for help or are struggling that you're going to be seen as a danger to your baby and your baby's going to be taken. away. you. And I think that that's a big, that's a big part of postpartum, you know, is that, that fear of like managing your own like self-help and needs and taking care of your needs. But also it's just like, Oh no, are people going to think that my baby is not safe because I'm, right. I'm upset. And like, so you hold that in, you, you bury it down. There are doctors who probably could talk about this. Maybe I didn't read the right books, but I swear I read all the books. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. I I spent a lot of time trying to educate myself and what I walked away from this was kind of just shocked about the things that people don't talk to you about and how hard it is to talk. Like, I have made a point of talking about how often I pee my pants. (laughs)
2: Right.
1: (laughs) Because when you have a child... It is hard to control your bladder after that. Like it's yeah. your body's changed. It's, you have a large child, and like that is something that I re- I like confessed peeing my pants all at bears to a friend, and she's like, "Oh, girl, what stage are you at?" I'm like, "What do you mean? I don't know how many stages are there. Like, hopefully the last one. Like, you know, like I don't know, you know." <laughs> and I uh I I peed my pants in a field trying to pick some flowers, long story, put the kid in the car, this happens, it happens. It just happens. And I got pulled over that day. Of course, if you're a parent, you probably know. But why is it a secret? I pretty right. sure like, it's. I grew up in, in Salt Lake City where there are large families and women hauling around big, or men too, just families, big groups of families. But I'm sorry, if I knew what having a kid did to your bladder, anytime. From now on, anytime I see a mom, if they look urgent, they can go. You could cut in line, go ahead. Like, they probably have to be let through.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's so much basic information about being a mother that should be able to be discussed that we just don't. Either because we're holding on to little embarrassments or we it's too emotional and they're must be some way for us to open the dialogue around being a mother a little bit.
1: Well, and I think we try, you know. And I think as much as I hate social media, it it has been like the most honest place. Like I got for information in a lot of ways. Like I got all the books. Like I got the super scientific "You're Having a Baby" book. I got the hippie mama, Earth Mama, I Love You, Granola Mama book. And I got the like schedule your delivery, like you have to get to work, right? You know, like the, I just got, I got all the books. Okay. I got right. all the books. Right. And what the books tell you to do is they tell you to pack your bag. They all of them focus on what you need. And, and some of them will tell you some like basic stuff of what you need when you come home, as far as like you're going to, you know, your body, is going to be in repair like you're going to be bleeding and hurting and dripping from everywhere and you're going Mm -hmm. to be sad and confused and you're still gonna look pregnant which is something like no one just says so it's like you you give birth it's not like the movies and all of a sudden you look like you did before like you still look fully pregnant and then social media comes out like hashtag post like these women posting these pictures and it's like they're these heroes and they are like that's what I mean about social media being this like honest place is that women are like here like what all of those different books all nine books that you bought didn't say or didn't show you is that this is what our bodies look like we've known this forever this is like this is the only information everyone should have because we've you know what i mean like we've we've had access to this but like this is what birth looks like you know and still it's like shamed put away you know Meghan markle's tied up in her cute little white dress and put on display with the baby three hours later like that is you know, there's all these jokes coming out after that, of these memes of not being able to be Meghan Markle and everyone's in there, They're, they give you these special mesh underwear and there's like hashtags around the mesh underwear and it's like hilarious that that's how the only way that we've been able to communicate about the uncomfortable things, about leaking, about, you know, and yes, there's, you see in the media new shows about motherhood and things like that, but who is watching that? Moms. So everyone else is hella grossed out. Right. That's gross. It's gross to talk about this. It is gross to talk about boobs unless it's in like they're in a swimsuit. Right. But if they are they are leaking the like at work, you know, things like that you don't think about. Like we don't think about those things. Like you leak, you know. So it's like your body is doing all these things and we're shamed into thinking it's disgusting. And I think that that's what's so sad is that like, we're pressured as women to have babies and to be mothers. And then it's this insane process of being a complete alien and then, you know, having, you know, this traumatic but beautiful experience that you have to just be really really quiet about and that's assuming everything goes well you know and so i think that that's the hardest thing is society society leaves you behind and what i kind of thought we were going to talk about is like then on you know and it's like that's what i've i've been thinking a lot about lately is like goals society puts all this like pressure and it's like
2: oh i want to get to that you, get
1: it, especially to that. in the united states as far as like the only time we value parenthood is when we put it on your to-do list. But the second the baby leaves your body or like comes into your life, if you don't, you know, if you're adopted or something like that, like you've, you've hit that goal. And there's no more like support or respect beyond that. And then it's like, wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, so (laughs) let's, let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, I have two things to say. First of all, (laughs) I want to say, I came to see you shortly after Roya's birth and we watched Ali Wong. Four days right away. Yeah, four days. We watched Ali Wong's Baby Cobra together.
1: Yes. And I sob laughed through the whole thing. And I kept looking at you with your face being like, Too soon, too soon? I don't know. Like I could tell you weren't sure if it was a good idea to suggest watching that but that also again like probably the most what to expect when you're expecting sorry throw that book away like throw it away just throw it in the trash and sorry whoever wrote that like billion years ago um (laughs) throw it away and then just watch Ali Wong because she will give you more information like what she talks about with like breastfeeding and that like giving birth is like just step one of this process. Like how hard breastfeeding is again, if it, even if it goes well, um, like she really is honest and she's like the first, you know, again, I don't want to say like, she's the first and no one's talking about this because people are, and it, it is happening, but it's not readily available. And the other thing is it's like, it's like, oh, women go find it. Right. You know, the, if you want right. to be a mom, but like, and so it's kind of hilarious that like you were who showed this to me, <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Like some of the conversations yeah. that we were having that night, like, why I was kind of like upset that other women weren't like hadn't had it with me before. Like it was kind of funny, but I was also, you also, I remember you said you called me a, uh, what'd you say? You said I I looked like a. <laughs> Civil War soldier <laughs> holding my body together
2: with
1: my hands. <laughs> and I was like, truth, but I was also like, fuck off. Like,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I haven't always nailed it with the movies. Like, I remember after uh, your first uh, major breakup that we went through together, I had you watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And that oh was too God. soon. Remember that? But I feel like yeah, Ali Wong... I'm, I'm like still
1: Ali. mad. You shouldn't have brought that up. Now I'm just going <laughs> to hang up on you and leave you like on red for this interview because <laughs> that messed me up. Every once in a while I think about that movie and that night, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was too soon. Was so,
2: too soon. okay, I've okay. written all these questions down <laughs> to ask you in this interview, but I feel like, as always, our conversation is taking on a life of its own. And I kind of want to ask about something that you mentioned sort of in passing, um, while we were talking just now. And I kind of wanted to know about your support network. Now you have made the decision in your life now to focus on being a mother and doing this full time. And so I wanted to know about your support network and like, the reactions that people have had as you've made this decision to focus on motherhood right now and what that's been like, because that's one of the things we've been talking about lately.
1: Well, well, kind of like what what I was saying before, as far as like society puts, you know, the first toy that we're giving as little girls, and I think that this has changed and is changing. I hope, um, you know, is, is a doll. This idea of, of motherhood and being a caretaker is, is is instilled in us as little little girls. So I think that society, as a very young age, put it on women: your job, young girls, is to grow up and to have children. And then we're like, oh no, we're feminists. So your job is to have children and then have a job. But the idea of motherhood being a job, I think, because, and I'm going to say motherhood a lot because that's my own experience, but I really think like regardless of your gender if you're a primary caregiver this is going to be of your own child this is going to be you know i'm kind of speaking to to that experience mm-hmm. um but because the us has tied like this idea of like the rugged individualism to capitalism it, it makes it really hard to have a respected identity if you don't earn an income mm-hmm. so my role as a caregiver and as a mother I can't leave that role and not be replaced right Mm -hmm. so in that way it is a job but to call it a job is controversial right people say oh it's not a job it's an emotional journey it's a privilege it's you know whatever it is it's a choice right it's it it's it's your role right It, it whatever got you there It is an unpaid labor. And it's something that when you choose to do it, you know, so, you know, I am a trained educator. I studied early child development. I studied language development. I'm a reading instructor. I spent a lot of my 20s as a nanny. You know, I have potty trained four children that are not mine. You know, I was a very good nanny, but I was not trained as an educator in the way that I am now. So for me to have done all that work and to not use it and apply it to my own child, like doesn't feel like the feminism that I fought for, right? Like, right. And so many people around me are like, of course, like, of course, it is your choice to stay home with your child. And I support that. And you're awesome. But, right, what ends up happening, unlike in other jobs, I feel like, is that when you do express maybe something about your job that it, you're struggling with, the way that people respond, People who are very supportive, people who are mom, people like even how I respond to myself, how I find myself problem solving for my own problems is wrapped back to this idea of like, because I don't earn an income, I have like no identity. And if I claim this identity of I'm a mom, like what, you know, who are you? You know, what are you? Oh, I'm just a mom. I'm just, oh, I stay home with my kids, right? Like like this idea that it's either simple, right? I'm not yeah. smart, you know, like, oh, it's just simple. I just want to stay home and be a mom. It's old fashioned. At best, it's like granola, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I just want to be like Earth Mama. But like, what I have not heard from people is like, this is this intellectual pursuit of motherhood where you are applying like all of these things that you learned. You learned as a nanny, you learned in, as an undergrad, you learned in grad school, you learned at, when you were in the field as an educator. What's hard is that I find people who are trying to be supportive where, you know, so I'm like sitting with friends, right? And someone's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I, 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 must, I stay home with my child which see me mumbling over I couldn't I'm a stay-at-home I I don't know I'm a bob I don't know I I'm I'm a nanny if I say I'm a nanny people are like legit I'm like I'm a mom people are like when are you going back to work or like oh like you must have nothing interesting to say because you're going to talk about poopy diapers and dumb stuff they're not like oh like how are you helping your child acquire li-? like no one wants to have an intellectual conversation about it because they don't see it that way and and it's awkward. And I think that that's where I'm finding all of this frustration is like, it's awkward to be a mom. It's awkward because your body's a mess. Your mind's a mess. And when you're like, hey, being a mom is isolating. People are like, do you know what you should do? You should get another job. And you're like, what? Right. Like if, if, if someone was like, hey, I really hate my job because my coworkers like, don't talk to me. People are like, like the most extreme thing is to tell them like, you should just quit and get a new job right usually you're like well like have you tried this or maybe this or like this people don't want to have that with like they're like oh well you should probably volunteer for my organization you're like I don't I don't need another job like what you're rarely met with when you talk about struggling as a mom is like oh well when can I come babysit or would you like me to entertain your entire family while you poop because that's probably something you haven't done alone. And it's like with your job, you're like, I had a really hard day and now I'm gonna go home and talk to my friend. I'm like, I had a really hard day. I'm gonna go to the driveway. So I can talk loud enough that I don't hurt my family's feelings. And like that's the other thing is like with a normal job, you can be like, fuck my job, fuck my coworkers, like what if? And you're not an asshole. You're just having a day. But if you're like, fuck, we you know, the people are like, oh, you're a bad mom. And then like they make a dumb movie about you and you go drink wine and rosé. And like, no, like I don't identify with any of these people. Like it's just it's it's really awkward. It's an awkward state to be in. And and so it's like when I think about support network and how hard we fought to like make a choice. To be moms to not be moms to go to work to whatever like what we really need to, to know is that no matter what choice any parent made what they need from everyone else is someone to watch their kid while they poop that's just it that's all they need whether that's the government or your friends i don't know anybody somebody come i was
2: i was just gonna ask if you <laughs> could tell people one thing that you wish they knew <laughs> about motherhood i think we now we know what it is that uh, well
1: it's so funny you need I listen to, poop to you. alone for five <laughs> yeah. seconds every day i listened to masjid Brani, that persian comedian um yeah. he was on npr like the uh wait wait don't tell me and it was just a random episode but they started talking about like how men take forever to poop and women take like you know whatever it was like this whole hilarious conversation and it's it's funny because I think, I mean, I don't want to make some general, I don't want to make generalizations about genders and pooping and parent roles and, you know, but all I can speak to my own thing is that when I go in the poop and I have some kid I have my kid and my family, like I feel like I should hurry because like they're waiting for me. <laughs> I right. don't see it as a break. And I think that regardless of gender, if you take a long time, good for you but i feel like that is a privilege and it's like if you have a job whether it's motherhood or drag i've we've talked about this with you one of the things i worry about with you and drag is like access to like being able to go to the bathroom when you need to
2: yeah i always say that if i wrote a book it would be called i can't pee till tomorrow you know
1: yes Great. Yeah. And if I wrote a book, it would be I just peed because I didn't that, that would be, I just pee. I crouched down to take a picture of Roy today and she goes, Mama peeing? That's how often I pee in the woods. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> like she is so used to me like popping a squat everywhere we go that if I kneel down at all, she just assumes I'm peeing. It's like being a new mom is like all the awkwardness of middle school and like first day of college. Um, both of which I pants my post days I pants myself on. So, you know.
2: Let's let's just... pause and and dive into
1: that for our listeners who don't no, let's know. Let's not no, for our
2: listeners who don't know. The very first day of college, Monir was Which walking.
1: was also the first day we met.
2: Which is the first day we met Monier was walking onto campus and she may have stepped on the front of her skirt and pants herself um in front of the entire campus and you know what I think that's a great preparation um not only for motherhood but for uh <laughs> adulthood you know what I mean like you know if you can do that you can do anything
1: you had to make a choice like I can I can move or I can just like push through this And I think that I've had that conversation with myself every day since becoming a mom.
2: (laughs) This is what I want to know. I know that a lot of our young listeners may want to be mothers or as you said, primary caregivers. I want to know what are some things that you've learned that you wish you had known from the very start that you would want to share with young people who are listening?
1: For me, I think that being a stay at home mom and someone who before I was a mom assumed I would take top a year off tops you know where now I'm like 80% of your brain develops by the time when you're 3 I'm not leaving I'm, I'm not going back to work <laughs> you know now I have a different feeling about it like how I saw myself approaching motherhood was different so I think one knowing that like you are allowed to change your mind and your plan because you're you're gonna go through something so profound whether you birth that child or just however you become a parent like it is so profound that it is going to change you and what you thought was going to be that your way or your reaction like you know um, oh I forget her name she's this hilarious comedian but she talks about she's like yeah my husband and I talked about how we were gonna raise children before we had them like over wine, like having cocktails like woo but, like, when you have kids, you're like, no, I'm a helicopter parent. Like, I'm scared. I'm worried about them. <laughs> like, everything changes. So, like, giving yourself permission to make a new plan and perhaps, like, letting your plan change. What I didn't realize, I was like, I'll figure out who I am and then I'll have a kid so I can be like a super strong mom and a super strong role model. But I didn't realize having a kid changes your identity again. In that same, like, that kind of when I was talking about it's like going to middle school and The first day of college, all over again. You think you know who you are when you show up that first day. Yeah. When you bring that kiddo home, when you show up that first day of college, you're like, I picked this college. I know who I am. And then, bam! Someone like name drops some poet that you don't know, or you get put in a writing group, or you're like, you pants yourself. Like something's gonna happen, and reality's like, bam. Day one, you don't know who you are, and so to to assume ever that you know your plan or who you are, like you're setting yourself up. So give yourself time, I guess, as much time as like you feel like you can afford yourself. Just for every person that might be different, but take your time to be yourself and then start your family because that. It's like that middle school transformation was really hard. And then the high, the college one was like a little less hard because you had done it, you know? And so it's like, if you just give yourself a little time to figure out who you want to be and like the kind of human you want to be, then I think you're going to have a better time with parenthood in general because society is not going to all of a sudden turn around and give you the support and love that it has not given you especially i'm sorry but if you are a poor person of color and you already know that but like society's not gonna be like oh shit like we've totally let you down we figured it out it's 2021 like no it's still we're still growing and we're still changing and we still have to fight every day for this for this and so the stronger you Feel like the stronger parent you're going to be, but just like know that it's like the messiest. It's messier than middle school. How is that possible?
2: Mo, thank you, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. I love you so much, and uh, <laughs> you
1: so so much.
2: All right, Caitlin, I think that was a wonderful interview.
0: I know it, it's a it's a cliche, but um. What's the cliche that, like, they say, being a mom is the hardest job in the world? But I think it's a cliche for a reason because, you know, moms really do it all.
2: They do. (laughs) And um, it's also really nice to be able to talk about something like this with a close friend because I think so many of these issues are sensitive and it's nice for you to be able to have some trust in the conversation. So
0: Yeah, and we we hope um, the moms out there liked it because we know that... Miss Cracker has a lot of mom fans.
2: Yep, absolutely. (laughs) And I'm a fan of moms. So (laughs) anyway, enough about that. Let's take a little break. Okay. First of all, I want to say this again. If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show. So write in with your reviews, and we can't wait to read them, and we can't wait to share them. But now, Caitlin, it's time for one of my favorite parts of the podcast. It's time for the credits. This podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham, and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin. And it is distributed by the amazing Studio 71, who is eagerly waiting for this episode edit as we speak. So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look into the mirror and say, She's a woman! And I'll be with you. Caitlin, this has been a wild week.
0: It's been a wild week. We are very busy this Pride Month. So this is going to be coming out. This month during Pride Month, so just know everyone that you're the drag queens out there are working really hard this month. They are working hard (laughs) this month.
2: Especially us. Yes.